0: Welcome back to the Grand Valley Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you meet Jesus and grow in faith. So one of the things we do around here is we like to tackle a topic in a series format. Uh, And what that means is that we're kind of taking a big concept and we're breaking it down over a couple weeks and each week kind of builds on the week before for us to talk uh, about a topic together. And so we're starting this series out of the darkness, but just before that, if you happen to have uh, your phone with you and you happen to have the Uversion Bible app, I want to invite you to pull that open and go to the events tab and just search for Grand Valley uh, and you'll find our event for today and you can follow along and take notes through the app uh, if that's something that kind of helps you keep track of what we're talking about and what we're focusing on today. See, we're doing this series called Out of the Darkness, and we're talking about this because often it's time for a fresh start. In 2019, it's a new year. We feel like, okay, let's start this year well. How would we start this year off in a way that sets us up to do well for the rest of 2019? And so in Out of the Darkness, um, we're going to be talking about this idea of change. Now, this is something that you already know, is that nothing ever improves without change. If we don't make any difference, if we don't make any changes in our lives, things will just continue exactly as they have been. We stay on the status quo. We stay in our routine. Things don't change. And the other part that we all know is that change is difficult. It's not easy to get ourselves out of our routines and out of our practices and into something new. But that's what we're going to be talking about today, because even though it's easier not to change... Change and is actually what leads us to any type of improvement, anything that we want to improve in our lives. Now, maybe, maybe you've, you're one of the people here that, that if, if this fits you of saying, you know, you've got it all together. You know, my life is just complete, 100% fulfillment, joy, happiness. I don't need to change everything because, you know, every day I wake up cheery and happy. I go to my job where I feel so fulfilled and so meaningful. And then I come home and my kids are perfect and behave well and I have the perfect marriage. You know, if that's your case, you should probably be up here speaking, not me. Because let's be honest, we don't live in a perfect world. Our lives are not perfect. Our lives are not what we want them to be often. And so that's why we're tackling this to start our year off of saying, you know, routines and habits are a good thing, but staying exactly as we are in a status quo forever doesn't actually help us grow, doesn't help us step forward, doesn't help us grow deeper in our walk with God. It doesn't help us in our relationships with each other or help us as a parent, as a friend, as an employee or a boss. See, this is one of the things that I've been convinced of for quite a while, is that change only happens when the pain of not changing outweighs the difficulty of the change. It only, change only happens when either we learn enough or we hurt enough that we realize that we have to start making a difference because staying how we are, the pain of not changing becomes greater than the pain of changing and so that's kind of what we're going to be focusing on today is this whole idea of, of change and risk and why it matters to step forward in our, in our lives so why we do this. Because change always involves a risk. You know, every endeavor that we in, uh, take always has a piece of risk to it. Are we going to succeed? Are we going to fail? Is it going to go well? Is there going to be something unexpected that comes up that I wasn't, didn't foresee that's going to change what I thought the outcome would be. And so every time you try to make a change, every time you, you know, decide to focus on a new theme for the year, or maybe you made a New Year's resolution, or you're saying, you know this year I want to grow in this area of my life, you're taking a risk, and that risk matters. See, Today, we're going to talk about a specific type of change. Now, everything we talk about today will apply to pretty much any type of change you want to make in your life, whether that's personal, spiritual, work-related, family-related, but there's a specific type of change that we're going to focus on in this series, and that comes back to our series title of saying, what does it mean to make a change to come out of the darkness? Now, darkness could mean many different things to each of us, but here's what I mean when I say darkness. I'm saying any part of our lives that we would rather keep hidden away. And I'm not going to ever ask you to reveal this or speak up or, or say what it is. You all can figure out what that is for you, but it's that part of your life that you're like, you know, I'd just rather my friends didn't know that part of me. Or I would just, you know, rather leave that piece alone and forget and ignore that it ever happened and just leave that in the past. But there's a problem with it. These pieces of our lives that we'd rather keep hidden away, they still affect us, no matter how much we try to not let them. No matter how much we try to compartmentalize them away and push them aside to the corner and forget they exist, they still affect us, and they still shape us. And so that's what we're going to focus on in this series. How do you actually move out of the darkness and into the light? See, there's two types of darkness, and, and this is a little making a bit of a generalization here, but, but bear with me. There's two types of darkness that often lingers in our lives that we want to deal with. And the first is a darkness that comes from a wound. Maybe there was an event, maybe there was, uh, you know, abuse or trauma, or maybe it was a series of events, or maybe there's something in your past. There's this time period or this event that you look at and you say, that caused pain. And our natural human response is we want to avoid pain. That's, you know, that's probably, that's a good thing. You know, you touch a hot stove and you feel pain and the nerves tell your brain, pull your hand back. You know, pain is there to teach us something. But we often try to inoculate ourselves from pain. We try to like put a bubble around ourselves so we never feel pain. So any wounds from the past, we'd rather just shove away and put some sort of an impenetrable barrier in front of it. But even though it's behind a barrier, even though we've tried to hide it and push it away, it's still affects us and the second type of darkness is the darkness that compromises our character see every one of us we could probably say what the the piece of our character we need to work on is you know and if you don't know you know you could ask your spouse they'll probably tell you you know what there is now be gentle with each other because they can tell you know you could tell them what they need to work on too it's not the point of it but the point of it is saying that anything that compromises our character. Anytime, you know, someone asks you a question and you think, well, this is the truth, it would be easier to say 90% of the truth. You know, that's a small compromise, but that's a compromise that starts to affect your character when you get used to just saying 90% truth. And then after a little while, you know, 80% truth is good enough or 70% truth is good enough. See, any place where we make choices that compromise our character is one of those things that can add to the darkness, add to that corner, because what happens when that gets found out? What happens when I say, yeah, I got that project done last week, and you're thinking, well, I hope they don't check for a couple days because I got a couple days to finish it up, and then they check, and they realize you didn't finish that project. And now that little piece of compromised character has been exposed when you didn't want it to. See, there's two types of darkness. Darkness that can come from wounds and darkness that comes from compromising our character. And each of them needs something. Each of them needs something if we want to move from darkness into light. See, darkness that comes from wounds needs healing. We need to find healing for that event, for that peace, for whatever it was, so that we're able to move from the darkness into the light. And darkness that compromises our character needs forgiveness. And this isn't just a, we need God's forgiveness, but we actually need to forgive ourselves. And that's often the harder part of sometimes we can come to this point where we can accept, you know, we know that God loves us. We're going to talk more about that today. We know how deeply God loves us, how much he desires to forgive us. But sometimes we don't forgive ourselves and we hold it against ourselves and we stick this lie in our mind that says, well, I'm never going to be able to overcome that. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You say, I'm never going to be able to overcome that, even though God's trying to help you and you won't overcome it because you haven't forgiven yourself so that 's what we're going to talk about is how do we find that healing and forgiveness because healing and forgiveness is what leads us to freedom and that 's what my hope is for our church and for you this year is that two thousand and nineteen becomes a year where we experience the freedom that comes when you live in a deeper relationship with God. If we want to find healing and forgiveness, it will lead us to freedom, and the freedom is where we find the fulfillment of living in a deeper relationship with God. See, this is the whole point and the whole reason why Jesus came. Now there's there's verses that we tend to only read at Christmas time because they're promises of Jesus' birth. And we tend to forget them the rest of the year because we think, Well, that's a that's a Christmas verse. That's a that's something that had to do with when Jesus was born in Bethlehem and how exciting that is. But we forget the meaning of that for us now. See, thousands of years before Jesus was born, there was a man named Isaiah, and Isaiah was a prophet, which means he was sent by God to be a spokesperson to the nation of Israel. He was told, you know, God would give him messages and God would speak through the prophets to tell the people, oftentimes they would tell them, you know, maybe what they were doing wrong or what they were doing right or the changes they had to make. Or sometimes there was these promises of the future of what is going to happen Later, something to look forward to. And one of those promises from the book of Isaiah, early on in Isaiah 9, verse 2, God tells Isaiah to say this, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. See, this is a promise of saying that even though we experience darkness, there is a great light we can see even though we may feel like we live in a land of deep darkness and we look around at the headlines, we look around at our world and we say, what is going on? There is a promise that a light will shine. See, this is a promise to hold on to, to say, okay, God, when are you going to fulfill this? That was the point of Isaiah telling the people. So they would say, okay, God, when's this going to happen? How do we look forward to it? How do we move in this direction towards this? And then we know the story now because we have hindsight. You know, we're 2,000 years after Jesus was born and we know what Jesus came to do. See, in John verse 8, John is is one of the four accounts of Jesus' life that we find in the New Testament. He was one of the guys who, who lived and walked and taught with Jesus for three years of Jesus' ministry. And then he was one of the apostles who traveled and planted churches and encouraged the church as it was growing. And John, and later on in his life, he writes down, he says, I got to write down, what I know about Jesus so that it stays for the church for the future to know this. And he quotes Jesus saying this, that in John 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and he said this, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. This is one of those verses that summarizes who Jesus is and what he came to do. He came to lead us from darkness into light. So whatever those pieces of our lives, whatever that darkness, whatever that piece is, we'd rather leave hidden. Jesus came to bring light to it. See, Jesus came for this purpose. See, we know that we have broken relationships. We have broken relationships with each other in our families, And sometimes those broken relationships are part of the darkness. Jesus came to heal those broken relationships. And when we have these character um, compromises, these places of our lives, anything where we've put something up that separates us from God, Jesus came to break those down, not with force, not with violence, but with light. That's what it means. See, finding freedom starts with choosing to move from darkness into the light. We have to make a choice of saying, I don't want to live defined by the wounds uh, and the character issues, the flaws, any of those pieces that are there. I'd rather live defined by the freedom that I have because I'm loved by God. That's my hope for our church. That's my hope for you, that we can experience that radical freedom. But if we want to get there, you know, it's not, there's something we actually have to do. It doesn't just happen on its own. We said change, um, nothing good happens without change. Nothing improves without change. So we actually have to go through this process. How do you change to move from darkness towards light? And there's just two things that we're going to talk about today. And and later on next week and the two weeks after, we're going to go deeper into this topic of how do we actually do this. But today I'm going to start with something really simple. I'm going to talk with two pieces that God calls us to do. He calls us to confession. And he calls us to surrender. Now, those words might seem kind of big and unknown, and we don't really know what to do with that. But if we want to take the first step, there's this term of confession. Now, confession might bring some, some different images to your mind. Maybe you, you, know, you think of you know, maybe what you've seen in movies or what you know, some of our faith traditions practice, where it's like you, know, you go and you sit down with a priest and you tell them and they give you a, a penance, something you have to do. You know, that's one way of confession. Or maybe you think confession means you've got to sit down with a friend and lay everything out in the open. And, and sometimes, you know what, that is really powerful at being able to help you bring change. And that's one option. But I want to talk about what confession truly is at its simplest, most basic form, something we can all do and understand. Confession is admitting that we need help defeating the darkness. Confession is simply admitting that we can't do this on our own, that we actually need some help, that we aren't going to try and do it just by our own strength. See, sometimes we buy into this bigger lie and we say, you know, God, I'm just too far gone. I'm just too bad. You know, the things I've done in my life or the things in my past are just too much for God to handle. See, if you've ever had that thought of saying, you know, I can't step foot in a church because, you know, lightning would strike me the moment I walk in the building. Of course it's not. This is exactly where God wants you to be because he wants to give you his light. He wants to show you his love. You know, that's one of the biggest myths that you could ever be too far gone for God to step in and show you a path to walk in light. And to illustrate this, there's this time in Luke, he's one of the other guys who, who wrote an account of Jesus' life and he talks about this parable that Jesus told to the people. See, sometimes when we come to confession or we come, you know, maybe you, you venture into a church for the first time or, or maybe you listen to a podcast online or something like that as a first step and you think, how, how could this be for me? You know, aren't churches a place where people just get judged and condemned? See, that's not true and that's not the case. In fact, the only group of people that Jesus ever spoke harshly to were the religious leaders of the day who should have known better. They were the guardians of scripture, the guardians of understanding um, God's word and what he had said through the prophets in the past. And they were getting it wrong. And they were the only people that Jesus ever spoke harshly to. And so he tells this parable about a Pharisee, one of these religious leaders, this, these kind of scholarly elites of their day. And he talks about how this Pharisee went to the temple to pray. And his prayer is, oh God, thank you that I'm not a sinner. Thank you that I'm so holy. Thank you that I'm so devoted. And then Jesus says, but at the same time, a tax collector, someone who was despised by the people and the symbol of Rome's oppression over Israel at the time. He comes to the temple and he doesn't even lift his eyes. The tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat on his chest in sorrow and he said, Oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. Oh God, be merciful to me. That is a cry for help. That is what confession is. It's saying, God, I need help. Be merciful on me. And then Jesus gives his commentary on these two characters that he's made up for this story, the Pharisee and the tax collector. And Jesus says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified. That means made right before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, it's not the people that think they've got it all together that actually walk in a deeper relationship with God. It's the people who recognize that we need help, that we need to ask God for help to defeat the darkness with his light. And so there's a simple question. Are you willing to confess? That means to admit you need help. Are you willing to confess that you need help to defeat the darkness? That's the first step. That's the first change. And it may seem risky, it may seem scary, but it's worth it. See, here's why. Now, I think Jesus told that parable specifically then because in the next chapter of Luke's account of Jesus' life, Luke tells this story of what happens between Jesus and a tax collector. And this tax collector, his name was Zacchaeus, and scripture tells us he was quite short and he was trying to look over the crowds to see Jesus. He had heard of this man named Jesus who was traveling and teaching and doing all these wonderful and amazing things, and he wanted to see Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowds. And Zacchaeus runs up ahead of where Jesus is, figures, I think he's going to take this path, and he climbs a tree. You know, how often do you see grown men climbing trees? Not that often. You know, we kind of forget that. You know, maybe we need to climb trees more often. I don't know. But he climbs the tree. He runs ahead and he climbs a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name Zacchaeus. Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus didn't call out. Zacchaeus didn't invite Jesus. In fact, Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' home. And so Zacchaeus quickly climbs down and takes Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner they grumbled. See, out of the people who are grumbling and Zacchaeus... Who's the one that Jesus wants to hang out with? Zacchaeus. He wants to hang out with the person who is despised, who is the symbol of corruption, who is the symbol of oppression. Of everything wrong in their society is what Zacchaeus embodies. And Jesus says, that's who I want to dine with. That's who I want to hang out with. See, you can go on and you can read the rest of the story. And Zacchaeus realizes that his life needs to change. He makes a declaration to Jesus. and says, this is what I'm going to do differently. And Jesus responds and says, salvation has come to this home today. Zacchaeus didn't pray a prayer. He didn't say any special words. He just made a declaration of change that he would turn his life around. And Jesus says, salvation has come to your home. See, when we confess that we need help, that's when Jesus takes the most pleasure and the most enjoyment of stepping into our lives and walking with us. See, Jesus is never afraid of stepping into our darkness to show us his light. We think that the parts of our lives are too bad for Jesus to step into. That is not true at all. So the first piece is this. If we want to defeat the darkness, if we want to step into the light, we have to confess that we need help. And the second part is this, is surrender. Surrender is simply letting go of our hold on the darkness that we would rather hide. See, sometimes those pieces of darkness, whether it's a wound or it's a character compromise, when they're in our lives, you know, we make this sort of uneasy peace with them. We make this peace to say, you know, it's there, it's, it's in the corner, but, but you know it, it's familiar. You know, you know that wound that you carry or that, that character issue. And we make peace with its presence. We get used to it. It's kind of like this strange comfort. I've been kind of open with our church over something that was happening to me a couple of years ago when I started experiencing regular anxiety attacks. And there was a number of things that were part of it that were causing me to have these anxiety attacks on about a monthly or, or slightly more than monthly basis. And they would debilitate me for a couple of days. Like it would, it, you know, it would stop me in the moment. And I couldn't, figure out what was going on and I would be so unproductive and I was probably was an awful husband and father during those couple of days following one and it would take a while for me to kind of pull out of it and the first one actually happened on this stage right in this spot during the middle of a sermon where I froze up and I thought I stood here for 20 minutes and I went back to the podcast and it was only like 20 seconds and you know you were all very gracious and let me collect my thoughts and carry on but that was the first one I ever experienced and in the middle of that time period, there was a, a Saturday night that, that sticks out in my, in my memory very strongly because it was one of those weeks where a whole bunch of stuff had come up. I, I didn't have time to write my sermon. I didn't have a message together. It's Saturday night, and we do this every Sunday. We get together, and we talk about God, and we talk about his love and his goodness. And it's Saturday night, and I got nothing to say. I've been trying to push piece this together. I've been trying to push this together for weeks and force it. Nothing's coming together. And I'm saying, God, where? I need something. I'm supposed to get up and speak tomorrow. Like, what am I going to have? And it was after midnight when I finally just closed my computer and said, I've got, you know, I just, I'm just going home because I need to at least sleep. And maybe in the morning something will come together. And I remember getting in my car and I left the parking lot here and I started driving down 18th street. And every single intersection I came to, there was this thought in the back of my mind, wouldn't it be nice for someone to run a red light right now? Wouldn't it be nice for some drunk driver to not see the red and hit me? Wouldn't it be nice to have a car accident right now? I didn't want to die. I didn't want to commit suicide. But wouldn't it be nice to just be laid up in a hospital for a couple days and have no responsibilities? You know, the church could put on a video of a much better preacher than me tomorrow and they'd learn something from him instead of trying to learn from this broken me that had nothing to give. And so every intersection I crossed, this thought was in my mind, wouldn't it be nice to get hit right now? See, that's what the darkness does, is it becomes this strange piece of comfort, this strange desire for escape that is debilitating. And I've been open about what my recovery out of that was. And the first step was I had to admit that I needed help. I talked to another pastor in town that's a good friend of mine, and his advice to me was, Oh, so comforting. He says, well, it's not going to go away on its own. You've got to do something about it. It's like, thanks. That's really comforting. You know, tell me it's going to be all right. But he didn't. He was honest with me. He was truthful. He said, this isn't going to go away on its own. And so I started a journey of a year of walking with a professional counselor who helped me diagnose and get to the root issues and get to what those pieces of darkness were that had to have the light exposed to them. And now... It's been two and a half years since my last anxiety attack. I've had times where I felt close, where, you know, the stress levels climb. I'm still human. But I know how to recognize them. I know how to stop them. I know how to say, no, that's a piece of the darkness that doesn't have hold on me anymore. Because the light has shone on it. See, when we confess, when we surrender, we get to experience healing and forgiveness. I got to experience healing from the wound that caused those anxiety attacks. And then there was the peace of forgiveness of needing to let go of my own. I had wrapped my identity around this. I'm a flawed person. I'm a flawed pastor. This is going to happen again and our church is just going to have to get used to me freezing up in the middle of sermons and not being able to speak. I had made peace with that. And it wasn't actually about accepting God's forgiveness. It was about learning to forgive myself. Learning how to say, that doesn't have to define me anymore. See, change happens when the pain of not changing outweighs the difficulty of making the change. See, the pain of not changing for me was just living with anxiety attacks or part of my life. And it wasn't until I realized that the difficulty of making a change was actually less than that pain that I could make a change. And see, here's the truth. When Jesus steps in, when Jesus wants to share his light with us, the difficulty of making the change drops like a stone. It gets so much easier when we choose to expose our darkness to the light. It's still a risk. It's still difficult. It was still painful. The conversations I had with my counselor were brutal. I remember sitting there and like squirming and not wanting to answer the questions he was asking me. But every time I knew, every answer I give him, every time we talk, it's a little more of the darkness that has been replaced by light. And over time, and then God met me in a miraculous way, and revealed to me the source, and all the groundwork that that counselor had laid for a year was done, and God worked in it in an amazing way. And again, I've been free of anxiety attacks. That type of freedom, that type of healing and forgiveness is available because of who Jesus is. It is his character and his nature to love us deeply. It is his character and his nature not to leave us where we are, but instead to take us on a journey out of the darkness into the light, out of misery into joy. Because that is who God is. That is who Jesus is to his very core. And so I've got a question. Are you willing to take the risk of confessing that you need help and surrender that darkness to Jesus? I'm going to ask the band to come back up. Uh, and Nikki and Steve are going to lead us in a song that we already sang today again, uh, Reckless Love. And I, I, this song was one that was so deeply meaningful to me. And there's been some controversy around this song of saying, well, how can God's love be reckless? Because reckless, doesn't that mean God's uncaring and, you know, doesn't know what he's doing? But that's not at all. See, in fact, the song is written from our perspective of us talking about God, of us recognizing that. To a rational human mind, the way that God loves us is reckless. Why would you chase down someone to show love to them when they have scorned and rejected you hundreds and thousands of times? Why would you continue loving someone when everything says you should just write them off and let them live in their darkness, let them stew and remain in that? See, from our perspective, God's love is reckless because it doesn't make rational sense. It is unchanging. It is overwhelming. It does not let go of us. And so here's what I want to do is I'm going to ask you to stand as we sing this song together, all together. I'm not going to ask you to stick up your hands or to to speak up about this. What I'm going to ask you to do is this. Just as you stand and as Nikki and Steve lead us in this song, I want you just to pray and just say, God, I confess that I need help. I want to take a step out of the darkness and into the light because that's all it is. That's the only change that needs to happen to start this path. And then I want you to reflect on these words of what it means for God's love to be overwhelming to us, to be revealed in us. So would you please stand as Nikki and Steve lead us. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. That is the light that overcomes any darkness. So I want to ask you to do one little thing. If you've made a declaration of saying you want to make a change, grab the Connect card you got on the way in and fill it out. Let us know. know, Don't just leave it as something internal. Talk to a friend. If you're in a life group, talk to your life group. If you want to sign up for a life group, fill out the Connect card. Say you're interested. We're going to have another group link event coming up soon. But let us know. If you want to reach out and you want to speak to myself or Pastor Vicki or one of our elders, just fill out one of these cards. Say you're interested in a coffee. We'll buy you a coffee. We'd love to chat with you. We'd love to share with you more about what this means. And while you're at it, sign up for next, January 20th. It's going to be an awesome time to learn about how you can grow deeper and learn about our church and who we are. So I want to ask you to do that, to fill out a Connect card, drop it in the boxes by the auditorium doors or at the Connect Center in the lobby. Because we want to be with you on a journey. We don't want to just stay as we are, where we are. We want to step forward and walk into light together. Let me pray for us. God, your love is so overwhelming. And we don't deserve it. We don't earn it. You give it so freely to us. And we also know that your love is gentle. That even though there is pain when we expose the darkness to the light... You are with us in that moment, leading us towards the freedom and the fulfillment that you desire for us. God, you don't want to leave us where we are. And we thank you that you desire a deep relationship that grows in us so that we can know you better and that we can be your hands and your feet and we can shape this world for good. Jesus, would you come into our lives this year Would you draw us closer to you in ways you have never done before? Would we walk in the depth of your spirit? In your name we pray. Amen. Folks, next week we're doing part two of this series. We're going to talk about overcoming fear. If fear is something you've ever struggled with, please plan to be here next Sunday at 11. And folks, I hope you have a great week, and I hope that you grow a deeper walk with God. We hope this message helped you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11am. You can find out more about us by going to mygrandvalley.ca.